So, I mean, this is and this is what where Don and McClurkin was reading in Second Corinthians in chapter <laughs> six, verses fourteen through eighteen. He says, do not be equally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness or what accord has Christ with Belial or Baal or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever or what agreement has the temple of God with idols for we are the temple I mean, uh, of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So this is what God's motive is. God's motive is first and foremost to do what? To make his dwelling among who? Among his people. That's what the plan of God. That's always the plan of God, to live and be among us. That's what God wants, first and foremost. Okay, you find, um, you find this in the Old Testament with the tabernacle. You find God always, always, always trying to find, uh, trying to, to, to be directly with his people. Um, you find that in Exodus 25 and verse 8. He says, in Exodus 25, verse 8, with the tabernacle. See, first he was on top of the mountain. Then God says, I don't want to be on top of the mountain. I want to be on Mount Sinai. He says, I don't want to be on top of the mountain. I want to, I want to be among the people. And so he says in, in Exodus 25 and verse 8, he says, uh, I'm starting at verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they may take from me a contribution from every man whose heart moves you. You shall receive the contribution from me. And that's how the church works. It's not through forced tithes and offerings and, you know, uh, trying to use uh, Malachi the uh, the book of Malachi to try to condemn people if they don't give, you know that's 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 the that is um, that is old covenant doctrine. And if you and if you're gonna quote Malachi to force people to give, then you need to uphold all the law because that's a law. And the Bible says in um in uh in uh First Corinthians, I believe it's chapter six, that our giving should not be under compulsion. He says, "Before God loves a what? God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver." And um, so this is so we don't we don't give we don't give under compulsion like that. I'm sorry, that is actually second. What that verse is actually Second Corinthians in chapter Second Corinthians in chapter nine, where he talks about not giving under compulsion. Second Corinthians in chapter nine. And so what does he say? He says, that, and that's, he says, from every man uh, in Exodus, back in Exodus 25, he says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they may take from me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution from me. And, that, and this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen goats hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, um, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. <clears throat> and if you notice, gold, silver, bronze, you know, Paul talks about how our deeds will be judged by the Lord in the end. And if it's gold, silver, and precious stones, they'll pass the test. But anything that's wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up and will suffer loss 
even though the man will be saved, the man or woman will be saved. And so we find again that anything that's done in this temple, we are the temple of the living God. Anything that's done in this temple that's by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that's of the will of the Holy Spirit, that's guided, controlled, led, inspired by the Holy Spirit and not by our own self-will, is gold, silver, and precious stones. Anything that we do of our own will is wood, hand, stubble. It's the equivalent of Nebuchadnezzar when he made his statement that of me, he says, uh, did I not build this Babylon for my mighty power? He says, for the glory of my majesty, of me, through me, to me, right? When the exact opposite is true in God's case. If we're going to glorify God, like Paul says, of him, through him, and to him are all things. And that's the difference between the church, the true church, versus Babylon. The true church, everything is of God, done through God, so the glory can go to God. Anything that's of Babylon or the world, the false church, um, is of me, through me, to me. Right? All right. So he says in Exodus... He says, and uh, oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and let them make me a sanctuary, and let them make me a sanctuary. Why? Why does God want them to make a sanctuary? So we see that before, God was on Mount Sinai, high in the air, God was in Mount Sinai giving the law, Right? The people were terrified. They were scared because the fire from God had come. God had appeared in the cloud of fire and the people were terrified. Oh, my God. You know, we don't we're, we're, we're afraid. Moses, we don't want to uh, hear from God. We'll hear from you instead. And so what does God say? I don't want to be distant from my people. I want to be near my people. And verse nine, verse eight of Exodus 25, he says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so shall you make it. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle. Now, in the new covenant, for our tabernacle to be a place where God can dwell, it has to be according to the pattern that he has shown us. And that pattern that we have now is Yeshua, the Messiah. He is the pattern we are to follow in order for God to dwell in our midst, period. You're not going to have God dwelling in your midst if we don't live according to the pattern. And that pattern is Yeshua. And so we find the same, we, we find what the Lord is saying here. You find in uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 6, he says, the conditions for him dwelling in that tabernacle. There, in the old covenant, when God told Moses to build the tabernacle, there were certain things that Moses had to do. There were certain things he had to do. He, the, the curtains had to be a certain way. The furniture had to be a certain way. Um, the furniture had to be a certain way. Um, the curtains had to be a certain way. Everything had to be a particular, specific way in order for God to dwell there. And it's the same thing here. And 2 Corinthians in chapter 6 gives us the blueprint for how it has to happen in order for us to dwell with God. 
He says, first, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's the first thing. There is absolutely no way that you and I can follow Yeshua HaMashiach, the Christ, if we are yoked together, bound together, doing the same wicked things as unbelievers. If we're enjoying the same movies as unbelievers, if we're enjoying the same music as unbelievers, if we're talking like unbelievers, walking like unbelievers, fornicating like unbelievers, we're doing all the same things that unbelievers do. There is no way that God, that we are believers. If we're doing everything unbelievers do, we're not believers, right? And how can you save somebody or be a witness to somebody if you're doing the same thing? You have a big movement where people tell you, oh, well, you can't, um, you have to live like them to reach them. That's some foolishness. How in the world can I help you if I'm doing the same thing? So step number one is the, in the pattern is do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't enter into marriages with them. Don't enter into best friend, friendships with them. Don't enter into those kind of relationships, those kind of non-essential relationships. You cannot enter into them with unbelievers. And the reason for why is because uh, the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. An unbeliever will corrupt you and me faster than we will ever be able to lift them up. <laughs> Is, is that the Bible makes that point plain that you you and I are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We're not supposed to be buddy buddy with people who aren't saved because they're going to make us unsaved. And that's the whole thing. We are to preach to them. We're to tell them the truth. We're to tell them the hard truth, always pointing them back to the Lord. And then, you know, and once they come to the Lord and repent of their sins and, re and re repudiate all unrighteousness and whatever, then we can be friends. But if we're doing the same things that sinners are doing and enjoying the same things that sinners are doing, we're not helping anybody by doing that. And so he says, first of all, unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnering with unbelievers? What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? He says, or what fellowship has light with darkness? So if I'm exposing myself again to movies and TV and music and stuff like that, that is un-Christ-like, that does not glorify Christ, that does not have Christ at the center, that does not have Christ at the center, that whose intention is to glorify Christ. If I'm doing that, then that's darkness because the Bible says that Yeshua HaMashiach is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. He says the light has come into the world and the darkness has not comprehended it. So he is the light and everything else is darkness. And so if we're not in him, then we're in darkness because everything outside of him is what? Is darkness. So this is why we, I keep harping on this issue because Yeshua HaMashiach is the light. It doesn't matter what type of thing we try to pull from it. Oh, you know, like I had a one brother, you know, tell me, you know, like Lord of the Rings. Oh, Lord of the Rings is so good, man. Oh, the message. Oh, it's just such a message of, of, of holiness and, and triumph over sin and this and that. I said, but you get a, I said, you know, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You strain out a gnat of, oh, it's got a good message of victory over sin while swallowing the camel of magic, sorcery, killing and violence. You see what I'm saying? It's like you can't, you try to strain out of that and swallow a camel. No, the bottom line is, is that God calls us to be completely set apart to him. Yeshua is the light, John chapter one. Everything else outside of him is darkness. And so he says, so what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Baal, with Bilal, Satan? And what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? 
He says, "For why, why are you sitting up here listening to hip hop music? Why are we? Why are Christians listening to hip hop, Migos and uh, Jay Z and Kanye? why are we listening to these people? Why? Why are we doing this? You know what I'm saying? You got Kirk Franklin trying to sound like the world. I mean, he's been done that, <coughs> but why are we doing this? He says, "What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God." And then he says, "Why? Why? Why all this? Why all these conditions?" Verse 16, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's the motive. All God wants from us is to be with us and God cannot be with us if we are living in sin or if we are if we have filth among us. He says uh, there is a verse in um, there is a verse where the Lord tells them, the children of Israel, that uh, in, Ver in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 12 through 14, there's a, there's a very fascinating verse where the Lord tells them to bury their waste. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, 12 through... 14, there's a beautiful verse. Um, he says, uh, he says, you shall have a place outside the camp and you shall go out to it and you shall have a trawl with your tools and when you shall sit down outside, uh, you shall dig a hole with it and turn back and cover up your excrement. So in other words, when you're going number two outside the camp, you take tools, you dig a hole, you bury it. But why? He says, because the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to give up your enemies before you. Therefore, your camp must be holy so that he may not see anything indecent among you and turn away from you. And so what happens if there is something indecent among us, if there is something unclean, un, un like among us, then what? God is not happy with that. That is indecent and he will turn away from us. We cannot get victory over our enemies. And this is why the church has been completely conquered by the world and in, in the West, because we are indecent. We are unclean. We have unclean things among us. We can't beat the enemy. We can't stand against the enemy. God is not intervening in our life. And he says, therefore, verse 17, and that's the, that's the same thing as verse 16, I will make my dwelling among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And you can add that. Therefore, bury your excrement. Bury your excrement. Bury it. Bury your waste, your filth. Bury it. Get rid of it. Every unclean thing in our life, bury it. Get rid of it. Because the Lord God wants to give up the enemy before us, and we can't do that if, 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 if that's there. Verse 17, therefore, of, of 2 Corinthians in chapter 6, verse 17, therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you. So what's the condition? He said, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. But the, the condition to be in sons and daughters to the Lord Almighty is first go out from their midst. The separation has to happen first before you can be a son of God. That's, that's the condition. 
And people don't talk about that. We, we want to ignore that verse. I can enjoy worldly movies and still follow the Lord. I can enjoy worldly music and still follow the Lord. I can still watch worldly TV programming and still follow the Lord. It does not work like that. If you don't separate yourself, you ain't saved. It's just as simple as that. I'm going to just make it plain like that. If you will not separate yourself from the world, you're not saved. That's what the Lord is saying, because being saved means you're being a son, you're becoming a son and daughter of God. Romans chapter eight tells you that those who are putting to death, he says, but if we put to death the misdeeds of the body, he says, you will live for those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. So sons of God are always putting to death the sins of the flesh. Always. They're always getting rid of sin. They're always putting to death sin. They're always fighting against sin. That's what sons and daughters of God do. And that's what we must do if we're going to be sons and daughters of God. That is the condition. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them. Who? The unbelievers, the darkness, the Baal worshipers, Satan. That, that's what we're supposed to come out from and be separated from that. That way, we'll be distinct and then the world can see. <coughs> then the world can see that we're distinct. That's the point. The, we're, we're supposed to be distinct and the world is supposed to see that we're distinct. He says, therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them. That says the Lord, touch no unclean thing. So first things first, I separate. I go out from their midst with the motive of separation. I say, I'm not going to watch this stuff. I'm not going to dress like the world, dress all provocatively. I'm going to wear modest clothing. I'm going to be covering up. I'm going to be doing all this stuff. I'm going to separate. There's going to be a distinction between me and the world, a clear distinction. It's not going to be just a, a oh, well, you know, I let my light shine. Uh, just as I, No, it's going to be clear and obvious that you're not like everybody else. That's first. Oh, and just and that's and that's and that's nothing new. The first century Christians did the same thing. In fact, the Romans thought that the Christians were atheists because the Christians did not participate in any of the Roman games. They didn't participate in any of the Roman festivals. They didn't participate in any of that. They separated themselves and devoted themselves to holiness, reading of scripture, prayer, fasting, loving each other, preaching the word. They devoted themselves to that to loving each other and to the work of God. They did not participate in the Roman activities. And because they didn't participate in the Roman activities, that was one of the reasons why they were persecuted. They were called atheists, that they were, they were called they, uh, people who eat their children and all other kind of lies that they were telling about them. But they had separated themselves. Just like the Amish, the Amish are not perfect. The Mennonites are not perfect. But they have separated themselves. They are a completely separate and distinct culture and community of people who want to follow the Lord. And so, and you almost hear nothing coming out of their communities, almost nothing. Like I said, they're not perfect. They're not perfect. They have their problems just like everybody else, but they have separated themselves. And that's an example for us that of what God is looking for. Go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. So once I separate, I don't look back and then touch the unclean thing. After I'm born again, I don't go back into the world and go back to the thing that I let go. Go back to the people, places, and things that I'm, I separated from. I don't go back to the club, back to the movie theater, back to the bar, back to wherever. Back to that woman's house, back to that man's house. I don't go back. I don't, I don't do that stuff anymore. There's a separation and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. After I meet all these conditions, then God will welcome you 
and then I will be a father to you, and then you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. It doesn't happen any other way. Any other way that we try to come up with is just like the Bible says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the ways thereof is death. If you think you can have both the world and God, that's a way that seems right to you. But the Bible makes the point plain. There is no having it both ways. You either separate or perish, one of the two, but it's never both. It's one or the other. And, we, and we've got to make up our minds as to what we're going to do. If we're going to separate from the world or we're going to merge with the world, we're going to separate ourselves completely to God or we're going to be like the world and have the world too. There is no having it both ways. Either God is your father or he's not. Just simple as that. Either you're born again or you're not. There's so much confusion, man. And, it's, and you know what? And, and really, we're doing the world a disservice. We really are because we are confusing them. People don't know if we're really saved or not because we're doing the same things that unsaved people do. And then the confusion is, well, everybody must be saved, I guess, because Christians are doing what I do. And if Christians are doing what I'm doing, I guess I'm saved then. I go to church and fornicate. I go to church and lie. I go to church and cheat. I go to church and drink. I go to church and club. I go to church and spend my money how I want to. I go to church and do what I want to at home. I go to church and do all those things. Hey, I must be saved because all everybody in the church is doing that. But that's not how you that's but that's not salvation. That's the way that seems right to a man. And Donnie McClurkin called it out on his uh on that video. He called it out. There is no separation. There is no distinction between the world and the church. And because there is no distinction between the world and the church now in the West, we are confusing the world and making people not want to be born again. You know, I'll say this and uh, we can close. You know, the Bible talks about we're supposed to be attractive to people in terms of the Bible says they'll know you're we're, uh he says, they will know that you're Christians by your love for each other. You know that you're my disciples by your love for each other. We're supposed to be making Christianity attractive to people by our love for each other, which springs from our love from the Lord. But you know what? Our life is not attractive to nobody. The Muslim doesn't want to be like the Christian. They live more holy than we do in many regards. The Jewish man does not want to become a Christian because he sees how we live in the West. They don't, there, there is absolutely nothing about what we're doing that makes Christianity attractive to anybody. Not here in the West. Now in Africa and China and many places where they're living holy and separate lives and loving each other and, and, and the power of God is moving. They want that. Yes, they want that. They're, people are coming to Christ by the thousands every, every week by the thousands because they see that their lifestyle. But in the West as a collective, no. People don't want this. People don't want this watered down, half baked, um, this this compromised, satanic version of Christianity. They do not want that. And so, what is up to us then to live a life of separation from the world? It's up to us to live holy and godly. It's up to us to fear God. It's up to us to walk in the Spirit. It's up to us to be separated to where we are clearly and distinctly Christian unequivocally Christian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us to do your will, Lord. Help us to live holy and God in separate lives. Let us not live in the way that seems right to a man, but in the end thereof is death. Help us, Father of heaven, to um, 
follow the conditions that you said in Second Corinthians chapter 6 and not live a life, live in the way that seems right to us, to lean to our own understanding, to lean not to our own reasoning. Help us, Father, not to do that. We want to live holy and godly lives in Yeshua's name. Amen.